The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. In June of 2018, Jaws of Justice broadcast an amazing interview of author and lecturer Brian Daldorf by local published poet Arlen Byert. We'll begin our hour with a replay of that interview. At the time, Brian Daldorf was instructing creative writing students at University of Kansas, and he also founded and held classes for inmates in the Douglas County Jail. Brian Daldorf is the editor of Coal City Review, which is published by Coal City Press in Lawrence, Kansas. Coal City Review welcomes submissions of literary poetry and short stories throughout the year. Since 1990, Coal City has published 20 annual reviews and seven collections of poetry. Staying true to Brian's original intent, the Review and Press publish both new and experienced poets and writers. Contributors are tall, short, male, female, American, foreign, rich, poor, free, imprisoned, discontented, contented, rural, urban, suburban, literal, and not-so-liberal. The traits they share are curiosity, compassion, insight, and a fierce commitment to good writing. Brian has now added another opportunity for creative writing instruction. Brian proposes to instruct creative writing at the D.A.R.E. Center in Lawrence, Kansas. The D.A.R.E. Center offers a place of refuge for people experiencing homelessness or risk of homelessness. The center provides basic necessities and an inviting place to come in and get off the street. The D.A.R.E. Center is completely run by unpaid volunteers. The center actively encourages discussion on the issue of homelessness. Following our calendar at the midpoint of the hour, we'll hear from Brian Daldorf during the second part, live using Zoom. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Now, our show. Today, we replay an interview when host Arlen Byert talked with Brian Doldorf about how he got interested in poetry, teaching poetry at the Douglas County Jail, and he will also read some poems out of an issue of Coal City Review, that features poems written by prisoners at Lansing Prison in Kansas. Now, here is Arlen and his guest. Brian, your accent doesn't sound Kansan or Minnesotan, so could you solve this mystery for us? Well, that's quite right. I'm from England originally, and I came to the States to do graduate work um, in the uh, 1980s, and I've been here since then. So you did your undergraduate work then in England? Yes, I did. And at what university or college? The University of Kent in Canterbury. Oh, yes. So what uh, brought you all the way to Illinois for graduate school? Well, I wanted to go to the States to do graduate work and applied to various places, and I got the best offer from Illinois. Didn't really know 
what I was going to, but it's been a great experience, and I, I never regretted doing that. I've spent the second half of my life really in the States. Uh, so then after uh, graduate school in Illinois, you got your Ph.D. there? Yes, I did. Yes, and then uh, you got the job at KU. Yes, I did. And uh, what was the attraction there, Brian? Well, honestly, it was the best offer that I got, and I didn't really know anything about the school before I went there, so it was like a completely open book to me. But again, it's been a great experience, and I love the school, and I've been very happy there, and my kids have both gone there, so I couldn't yeah. ask for more, really. And do you teach English and poetry, or what is your uh, teaching schedule like? So, I mean, in my career at KU, I've taught about 10 or 12 different classes, poetry, literature, novels, writing classes, of course, so different things, like most people in the profession. We, we have to teach a number of different classes. How did you get started uh, doing the poetry work at the Douglas County Jail? That just seems like such a, a different thing to be doing, to teaching college students and then teaching people at the jail. So what led you to that, and how did that get started? Well, I think, as you say, one of the attractions of it is that it was very different from my teaching at the university. It was something that I was always interested in, and I'd, I'd had some experience of working at various detention facilities before, but two of my colleagues in the English department, they set up a program at the Douglas County Jail in Lawrence, just on the edge of Lawrence, and when they left, I took over the class and really turned it into more of a creative writing class, as you've seen when you visited the class. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I did in 2001 was my first class there. So I've been doing it since then and loving it and looking forward to it every week, as you know. You've yeah. sat in and yeah. you know it's a good experience. Yeah, you do a wonderful job there. You really do. Could you share with us um, the connection between your personal writing and uh, your work at the jail. How do they interface? Well, I think that I just find the class inspirational. What, one of the things that I've found about the class is that I think that it means more to the inmates in the class than perhaps my university classes because they're often in quite a difficult, sometimes desperate situation in their lives. And I think that produces writing of a just a particular intensity and I've just found that inspiring because I've worked with inmates there and their writing means so much to them and it's made me realize how important writing can be to all of, the, to all of us and that's something that I think inspires my own writing. Well, I know uh, from the statistics in Kansas and recidivism in Kansas, like most states, is around 50%. That once an inmate gets released... Within three years, about half of them are back in prison. And I know it has uh, a big impact on the, the inmates at Lansing. And I'm sure writing from the heart like your men do has a big impact on them too. And I was wondering what kind of feedback do you get from the men at the jail? Well, what I've heard from quite a number of them, is that the class is something that they look forward to every week. So 
you know, those of us who teach the class, I mean, we, we hope for higher things. We hope that some lives can be turned, turned around and that the guys can sort of take a better track in their lives. But quite apart from that, I think the class is just a good thing at the jail and it just helps out with the tough experience of incarceration. And that's what I've heard from many of the guys over the years that I've worked there, that the class is just something that they look forward to every week. And I think that's just a, a great starting point. And if it can do any more in their lives, then I consider that a bonus. So basically, I think we're just helping out with guys begin to look at their experience and try to figure it out and maybe try to take better ways with their lives. That's very, very important. Uh, we'd like to talk a little bit today about Cole City Review. And I was wondering, what was your inspiration for Cole City Review? Would you describe to our audience what it is and when it started? So Cole City Review is a literary journal, and we, we publish mainly poetry, but also fiction and reviews and interviews, just anything really connected with the literary world, although for the most part we publish poetry, as you'll have seen. And I started this when I was still at Illinois and published the first two or three issues there. And the reason that I started it was because that lots of good work was coming into my hands as I taught classes, as I got to know other writers. And I just thought how good it would be to have some way of publishing this so that other people could see it. So that was really my idea to start with. And it's just something that I've kept up with because, I mean, I just see more and more really good material. And I wish that I could publish more, but we do the best that we can. This comes out approximately once a year. And in that year, I try to collect all of the good work that comes to me and publish it in Cold City Review, which is usually about 100 pages or so of, of work. Yeah, it's a beautiful journal. It really is. I know there is a town in Illinois called Cold City. Is that where you got the title? Yes, it is. And it's just a place that I've been to mm -hmm. one time. But when I was thinking about this idea, I just thought that's a really cool title, Cold City Review. And so I just took the name there, not because I have any connection with the place. I mean, I was at school in Illinois, but I just thought that sounded really cool. And that was the reason why I did it. So it was just a quick decision. And it's something <laughs> that I've lived with now for what, 20, 30 years or something, Cold City Review. Yeah. Well, I, uh, often I've been reading Cold City Review for several years and I often wondered where the title came from. And then a couple of years ago, we were driving, my family and I were driving to Chicago, going through St. Louis, up Interstate 57, I think. And there I see exit sign for Cold City. Right. I thought, did Mr. Daldorf get... Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. That's where it came from. for his journal from this Cold City town in Illinois. Tell us about what led you to ask me about Arlen might we publish some of your inmate poems in Coal City? I was just stunned by it. What well, led you to include the inmates from Lansing Prison? Well, you and I had sat in on each other's classes. You had come to Douglas County Jail in Lawrence, and then I had come to sit in on your class. 
and in fact one of the former inmates in my class was in your class so that there were a number of connections between us and I loved sitting in on your class and I loved seeing the work there and I just thought it would be a great idea to publish a section what there are about 30 plus poems in this section from Lansing and I really liked the work and I just know how important it is for inmates to feel like they are connected with the world because one of the hardest things to deal with in incarceration is just that feeling that you're cut off from the world and I thought that this would be a way that they could feel good about what they were doing. The work is worthy of publication, it brings people into a world that not too many people know about and so for a number of reasons I thought it would be a really good idea and I'm very pleased with how it turned out and it is kind of the featured section of this particular coal city the last one that we published this year yes i noticed of course the the cover with the uh, beautiful photograph from uruguay and then the cover says featuring the poets of lansing prison yes and uh, i just will never forget the night after i got a copy of the book and i took it to lansing prison and shared it with the inmates and I'll never forget, I don't know if it was Mr. Bakke, I think it was Mr. Bakke, one of the inmates. And he looked at the book and he said, you mean to tell me I'm a damn published poet? I said, yes, sir, you are. And that's more than a lot of writers achieve. And, you know, it's great quality work and people can learn a lot from it. And, you know, I hope that people read it and see how good it is. Mr. Bakke and almost all the inmates that were there said, could you send a copy to my mom? Could, sure. Could you send a copy to my sister? Uh, here's the address. Can you please? And then I hear back from some of these family members. I mean, they're just stunned that their son, who maybe dropped out of high school, didn't go to college, never studied literature, didn't major in English, all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, a published poet. What right. it meant for the family, yes, for the parents, yeah, it's just quite spectacular, Brian. And I just thank you for doing that and the impact you and this book have had on the inmates and their families. It's really quite remarkable. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I mean, I, I love doing it, and I'm glad that it means a lot to other people because it means a lot to you and me, of course, doing this sort yeah. of work. And <clears throat> I'm just so glad that people appreciate what we're trying to do with these classes and the publications and whatever. We have this, as you mentioned a little while ago, this serendipitous moment with Mr. Jacob Waldrop as he was in your group at the Douglas County Jail, and then he joins my group right. at the Lansing Prison. He's a wonderful person and a poet. So I was wondering if you would comment on your days at the jail with Mr. Daldorf and read one or more of his poems. Yes, so he was one of the inmates that I met quite early in my time there, and every so often in the class, a kind of class leader emerges, a guy who kind of sets the tone of the class, and certainly that was Jay, Big Jay as we called him, and he was one of the keenest writers that we had in the class, and he made it very clear that he had taken the decision to turn his life around, try to do something better, 
and his writing was a very big part of that. I think it gave him a sense of pride which he really deserved. And what I saw in him was that he was an inspiration to other guys, especially some of the younger guys there. And he was telling them that the stuff that they was that they were doing at the time that was not going to help them, and that there was really a better way. And he had found this way, and he could help guide them in that direction. So I think he was doing really good work with other guys around him. And you and I have known him for ten years or more, and you know he has been very consistent in that. And we appreciate that. So yes, I mean, I I'm so pleased that he's that he's done well with his work. One of the poems that really touches me, by Mr. Waldrop, is his poem. It's a short poem. Is it in the Sinquain format? Yes, the one called Lessons. Yeah, Lessons. It right. Reminds me, it's a story I hear so often. So many of the inmates at Lansing Prison, either have no dads or very violent dads. And that's so difficult for young men to deal with. And I was wondering, Brian, if you could read Mr. Waldrop's poem, Lessons. Yes, certainly. Lessons. Big leather strap. Crying, begging, pleading. Hope the pain goes away quickly. Daddy. That is just so powerful. Yes, it is. How he can say so much uh, in so few words, and truly uh, from his heart. Another wonderful poet at Lansing Prison that I've gotten to know over the years is uh, Mr. Wise Hayes. He went into prison as a 16-year-old with a conviction of felony murder, and has been an integral member of the poetry group. He's now released, and he's doing very well. And I was wondering if you would read a poem from Mr. Hayes. Yes, again, he, I, I met him on quite a number of occasions. I've seen him since he's been released, and again, he's, he's been a, an inspirational character to us. So this is called The Lion. There is a lion outside. I hear his roar and see his pride. No fear do I detect in him, regardless of the way he hides. The stone walls do not keep him out, nor can they contain him. Just as none could capture him, nor can I explain him. He is here in prison, a scavenger, a predator, a beast, an egomaniac, intruder, competitor. He boldly takes his prey in daylight, crushing it with his teeth. The men whimper vainly, even as he starts to feast. Shots are fired from the towers, yet he never falls. He simply roars up at the shooter, then turns and walks right through the walls. Often I have hid, hoping to avoid him, never doing what I dream, because he fills me with terror. Recently he caught me, knocked me to the ground, I felt his claws on my chest. I couldn't make a sound. His voice sounded familiar as I looked into his eyes. Why are you so afraid, he said. I am part of you. I am your future, wise. Yeah, that is just so powerful. Yeah, it's even better when he reads it, but I did my <laughs> best, you know. 
Yeah. yeah. He reads better. He reads that one better than you do, Brian. Yes, he does. He certainly does. <laughs> There's another uh, wonderful poem by Mr. Avon Chapman. It's on the page 73, and it's entitled, I Am. And I find this one very powerful. I was wondering, Brian, if you would read that one. Yes, this is called, I Am by Avrin Chapman. I am competent, I am diligent, but I wonder if that is the measure. I hear voices of disapproval, I see a question mark in the mirror. A chance is what I desire, but opposition is what I am getting, even though I am competent, even though I am diligent. I pretend that it doesn't hurt, that I feel a wound in my spirit, and since I cannot touch it, I worry who will heal it. I cry out to the Lord, unto the mighty spirit, for he knows my competence, he is the reason I am diligent. I understand very little, to boast of more would be a lie. I say what is my truth, and with my truth I shall die. I dream of many things, but only one repels the eye. A world in disarray, too arrogant to cry. I try to understand, but it extends beyond the sky. I only hope that same hope that enables every life, that maybe, just maybe, everything will be all right. I am competent. I am diligent. That's I Am by Avrin Chapman. Yeah, Avrin uh, was released several months ago, and he's a good friend of YSA's, of course, and he's adjusting very well. Good. He's got a good job, and he's making very good progress, so that's wonderful. Uh, another long time a person in the poetry group at Lansing is Mr. Greg Bakke, and his poem or poems are on page 69. And Brian, I was wondering if you would read uh, either one of those, Second Thoughts or Microcosm. Yes, this is Second Thoughts by Greg Bakke, and I know him quite well after visiting your class on a number of occasions. Second Thoughts. Through clouded eyes, only doubt can chase away the fear. An elaborate game of hide-and-seek, only on the surface, not too deep. In the roots where confidence grows, acceptance turns into resolve. Like the willow bending with the wind, only to bounce back again. Sow the seed, water the ground, prepare for tomorrow. Don't fear the storm, wait for the rainbow to guide your way. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's powerful. Marty Robinson was in the group for a long time, and he has a very beautiful poem, powerful poem on page 88, Brian, entitled The Vase. Yes, sure. You might pronounce that differently. Well, I can say vase. I can say that. <laughs> the Vase. Carelessly bumped dreams shatter like a precious vase on a cold, hard floor straining over the pieces who will help me repair this priceless vessel once filled with things hoped for tomorrow's laughter and happy tears now mingled with dust and dangerous shards i look up you've already left the room i was pleased darling that you included your poems with the group because i think you see yourself as being very much a part of the group and i think the guys really appreciate that that they feel like you're just one of them when you're in the classroom, and I know that they really appreciate that. Thank you, Brian. 
We're getting down to the end here, but I'd like for you to read at least one more uh, by Charles Sims on the facing page there. God, where are you? I think this reflects what I see, the, the loneliness, the abandonment that so many inmates feel after a long period of incarceration. Yes, it's a tough experience, that's for sure. God, where you? Since the beginning of time, you have sat and watched as your world filled up with pain. You have watched the rich pray and punish the poor. You have heard angry cries. I know you have eyes to see, yet things continue to get worse. Ever think of that old lady who gives her tithe in your name and her prayers begging for peace as murder and hatred run wild? Your silence is so immense and loud that's why I'm asking, where you at? This ain't making no sense. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's how it is. Maybe not grammar quite fitting for an English professor. But the language is just what it needs to be. It is what it is. We are, we are running out of time. So appreciate you joining us here today, Brian. And uh, where is the book Coal City Review? Where is it available? So it's available on Amazon. It's available from the Coal City Review website, and it's available through me or through you and in bookstores, certainly in Lawrence. Okay, wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining us today. You do special work, and it's very much appreciated. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Jaws of Justice Radio. Support for KKFI comes from Cupini's. Lyric Opera of Kansas City and Cupini's have joined forces for a signature community conversation blending culture and cuisine. Saturday, September 6th from 6.30 to 8.30, a communal dining experience with two opera performances and four-course meal with wine pairings, all on Cupini's outdoor patio. Learn more about tickets to this dining experience with the Lyric Opera of Kansas City at cupinis.com. That's C-U-P-I-N-I-S dot com. This is the Jazz Doc bringing you jazz in the afternoons every Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. I will play jazz from the 1940s to the present with a focus on the well-known and lesser-known artists and their compositions and try to provide an interesting history of the musicians and their songs. Hopefully Thursday afternoons will be entertaining for jazz lovers and those who want to explore and learn more about the genre. This is the Jazz Doc every Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. The KKFI two-week archive is available online for your listening pleasure. Check out any show from the past two weeks by navigating your web browser to archive.kkfi.org. Now the calendar for the week of September 4th. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their virtual meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Tuesday, September 5th, 11 a.m., there's a writing group at the DARE Center for the Homeless, 944 Kentucky, Lawrence, Kansas. Poets, rappers, songwriters, and dreamers. If you have questions about the writing group, contact Brian at DARE. 
Wednesday, September 6, 9 a.m., Kansas Faith Plus Democracy Table Meeting is a virtual event hosted by Moore Square. See on the Moore Square calendar, moresquare.org. Wednesday, September 6, 5.30 p.m., Heartland Center for Jobs and Freedom Block Party at 4120 Baltimore, Kansas City, Missouri. There's a limited number of tickets reserved today. Friday, September 8th at noon is Empower Missouri September Friday Forum, the refundable earned income tax credit, a virtual event. You can join this session to learn how implementing a refundable working families credit would maximize its impact for families and children across the state. You can register at empowermissouri.org. Friday, September the 8th, 5.30 p.m. at the Foundry, 13720 Row Avenue, Building B, Leewood, Kansas, you're invited to join Miracle of Innocence, Turning Dreams into Reality Gala 2023. Saturday, September 9th at noon, Mothers of Incarcerated Sons and Daughters Monthly Session is at the PlexPod Westport Commons, centrally located on the bus line, easy to find at 300 East 39th Street, Kansas City, Missouri, Annex A. Saturday, September 9th, 9 a.m., Immigration Crisis. What is the state of immigration in the U.S. and Kansas in the 21st century? This is at the Shawnee Mission UU Church 9400 Flum, hosted by the League of Women Voters, Johnson County, Kansas. Both in-person and live-streamed, register at League of Women Voters, Johnson County Events page to live-stream, also available on their YouTube channel. Saturday, September 9th, 11 a.m., please join the Women in Politics Foundation and the Greater Kansas City Women's Political Caucus for a champagne brunch to launch the new Smithson Endowment Fund advocating for reproductive rights. Reclaiming rights in red states. This is at the Simpson House, 4509 Walnut Street, Kansas City, Missouri. Saturday, September 9th, 1 to 3 p.m., Kansas City, Missouri's Reparations Commission Listening Sessions is at 2310 East Linwood Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. You can go meet the commissioners and let them know your thoughts on reparations. A list of services, meals, and hotlines specific to sheltering are available at lawrenceprogressivecalendar.blogspot.com. That's updated daily. These lists are also on the Jaws of Justice episode page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org, or you can find them on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Let's go back to our show. All right, with any luck, this is Terry Wilkie. We have Brian Daldorf on Zoom with us. Are you there, Brian? Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Good. Yes. I am just amazed at Zoom, how we can talk from distance, just like we're in the same room. It's um, good, good on you for being here on a holiday. Now, listeners, in the previous half hour, we identified that Brian is an instructor at University of Kansas. And so this is a holiday for you, right, Brian? Brian, you're not having to work today. And here I have you on the radio talking about your volunteer work. And thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's because it's very exciting. You are beginning a writer's creative writing group at the D.A.R.E. Center in Lawrence, Kansas. So let's start with 
What is the DARE Center? So the DARE Center is a, a, a small place in Lawrence and it's for um, unhoused people for the most part. And it's sort of a day center that's open a number of days a week. And it's a place where uh, people can come to uh, see each other. And there are also services there, especially uh, showers and laundry, which are the most popular things there, and also uh, food and water. And so uh, basic services there. And it's a very uh, popular place for um, people who are experiencing homelessness. Well, is it, how did it begin? Is it a large place? No, it's a fairly small place on um, Kentucky Street there. In and it Lawrence, really... Kansas. Yeah, you have to, Lawrence. we have people I'm sure listening from all over Kansas and Missouri. And... Mm-hmm. Right, and it, it is open to everybody. And it's really the work of um, Loring Anderson, who I think you know, who has done wonderful work over the years um especially with kind of vulnerable populations and it was really his work that established this center a number of years ago and now you know it's it's well known and i think it does a really good job uh, helping out people who appreciate the uh, services that it offers it's open about four days a week now that kind of depends on how many volunteers they have they'd like to keep it open longer, but um, at the moment, it's about four days a week. Well, I'm going to add <clears throat> how to contact the D.A.R.E. Center. It's D-A-R-E, and if you have a phone, 785-856-0698, and if you want to look at it on the internet, please go to Lawrence dot o-r-g no spaces d-a-r-e so thank you for that brian now the dare center is across the street from link which is lawrence interdenominational meal at, i i don't know kitchen. right <laughs> kitchen right thank you and they provide a free nutritious meal four times a week no questions asked and Link is a 5013C nonprofit, a volunteer-based organization with the exception of two staff, and it's supported by 45 of the religious organizations, businesses, and civic groups in Lawrence. So it's natural that the DARE Center would be immediately across the street, so before or after you eat, a person can go to DARE and get showers, soap, toilet, do laundry. And let's shout out to Lauren Henderson. That man has been instrumental in good things in Lawrence, Kansas. He, um, he has a big heart. And uh, he has a, a nice way of guiding people and always offering and, and interacting with others. I think because Lauren spent some time on the East Coast. I think he's been <laughs> in very big cities. It works well in Kansas. And um, he scratches his head and thinks, well, many of people who are homeless or at risk of homeless need to receive the mail because they get correspondence and some are on security 
checks, disability checks, military service. And so we will set up a place where they can receive the mail. And DARE Center does that as well, correct, for for people who... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really important service because, you know, with job applications too, but with, um, you know, all sorts of uh, correspondence, it's a very important part of DARE. And as you're quite right, that was kind of Loring's vision to have that available to, to people. And so... It's in a former commercial building, and it's a large building, but it's not too large. And how long has this been operating? So it, it's a number of years now. I would guess it's about five or six years, something like that. And I have lived in Lawrence since 1982, and I cannot recall any stories, newspaper stories about extreme incidents at the DARE Center. So it is just good. It seems to do all good. It doesn't create more homeless. Many many conservative people believe, oh yeah, well, feed homeless people and offer them a meal and you'll get more homeless. Although it was interesting to me. I just read my local paper that there is a, a story that local law enforcement in other cities in Kansas are sending pain to have people transported to Lawrence because of our community with volunteer work is willing to put out good services for people. So we need to make that clear while we have a chance that any community in Kansas or Missouri can do this right inside their own community. Isn't that right, Brian? Anybody can. It's volunteer staffed. Um, I belong to a civic organization that gives coffee to the DARE Center. Happy to do it. We, we have that much money to buy big five-pound cans of coffee, and life goes on. So DARE is really used and appreciated now then, how long have you been involved with DARE, Brian? So I've been working there now for several months. I really got interested in that because I met some of the people who worked there when I was working at the emergency shelter that the city runs over the cold months of winter. I've been doing that for three years now, and I wanted to sort of continue my work with um, this population. And so I met Loring and um, I've been volunteering since um, May or June, I think. Well, you still instruct college students. And I did some research and see that your work with inmates in the Douglas County Jail has ceased. When did that cease? Why Why is that? So I had taught there for 20 years. This is at Douglas County Jail in Lawrence, Kansas, just on the edge of the city. And our program was shut down in 2020 or 21 because of COVID. And the jail pretty much shut its door then to anybody coming in for, for very good reason. And since then, there has been a real um, cutback of some of the programs at the jail because of the shortage of corrections officers. So I haven't had the opportunity to 
go back to do that work, even though that was, you know, very important work to me. And I think, you know, me and the others involved um, provided a, a really good service there. So, um, yeah, we haven't been able to go back to do that. So now I, now I, um, now I've moved on to do this, to do this work. Well, good on you. And you're working with many various types of students, students who pay for a creative writing education. And so that's their goal is to get credit, to get the credential, to get the experience, I assume, to get the knowledge. And then persons in prison, now then, what do you see, are the inmates, are they only interested in creative writing or why would they be there? Aren't there other things? I mean, they can just go sit someplace else, correct? Or what is that? What's the, what's the difference? So this was just a very popular class at the jail because I think it gave the, um, the people who came to class the opportunity to not only tell their own stories in whatever way they wanted to, and that included, we had a lot of guys who did rap for us and we had uh, poets, of course, and we had storytellers, but it also gave them a chance to listen to what other people had to say. And the uh, guys that I worked with at the jail, they, they had a lot of stories and they had a lot of experiences and the class gave them the opportunity not only to write their own and to share their own stories with other people, but also to listen to what other people had to say. And the class had a good reputation in the population there. And so it was popular and we always had quite a lot of people who were interested in coming to class week after week after week. So there are similarities between creative writing students. And um, interest is is one of the similarities. Even college students would not enroll in a creative writing class if they didn't have an interest in that type of degree or in creative writing as an elective. And then let's talk about, is it too early to draw impressions from the homeless population? No, I, I think that um, we've, we've had the class on a number of occasions already, and I'm just pleased with how it started and what I want to emphasize about the class is that it's the opportunity for um, both some of the um, homeless population and community members to get together and to write together and listen to what everybody has to say so it is based at the DARE Center but it is a community class and it is open to everybody and everybody who is interested in really any type of writing. So so that's the way that I would like the class to be. And that's the start that we've made. And we've had a number of really good classes so far. So I'm pleased with how it started, but I'm always open to other people coming in and being a part of it. Okay, so your next class is Wednesday this week, correct? I had it on the calendar. No, it's going to be always Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Okay, for Just an, so that everybody hour? can remember that. Mm -hmm. It's Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And I'm going to come every week and we'll see what happens um, every week and who would like to come to it and what they have to offer. Well, does it go on for one hour or how many hours? That's a really good question. So we have 
the time slot open and I intended the class to be approximately an hour because that seems to work for people. That's a pretty good block of time. But last week's class, we kept talking and people had things to say and we probably didn't get out of there until 12.30. But that was just because the class wanted itself to go on, you know, and of course I was very open to that. Right, well, um, do you see the creation of writing as a purge for the author? And when I say purge, I'm talking in a psychological sense. In the earlier half of our hour, you, Arlen Byatt read several poems from prisoners that seemed to talk about personal experiences in a rather emotional way, as if to write it down and to make an object out of it, a piece of art, was a help to the writer. Do, do you see that happen? Yes, very much so. I think in all of the writers that I work with, and I think that's kind of the basic motivation, whether I'm teaching a college class or wherever it is I'm teaching, I think that people have things that they really want to say. And I think all of us have had the experience of feeling some kind of a relief when we're able to get that work out there. And I think in writing, you can do it for yourself and you can get that out there and you can write it down and then you can choose what you do with it after that. But just the process of getting it out of your head and getting it onto the page is just a really important thing. And yes, I mean, I have seen it produce all sorts of good effects in the writers that I've worked with. Well, so this writing session at the D.A.R.E. Center is open to both people that are using the D.A.R.E. Center, homeless people or people at risk of homelessness, and anyone else who would like to come and share their writing and talk about their writing and then draw us a picture of it. Are there critique sessions? Do people just beat each other up? (laughs) Do they critique each other or... Um, do you, like, do they read what they wrote to each other? Yes, thank you. That's a really good question, because I think that creative writing can be taught in different ways. The way that I do it, which seems to work for the jail class that I taught for many years and also for the class so far, is to make the class more into a kind of forum where you have the opportunity to present your work and to put it out there. Whereas the college classroom, for the most part, it's more about kind of critique and um, sort of assessment of work and sort of working on making things better and all of that. But for the um, class at the jail and the DARE class so far, it's been more the opportunity to have this space and an audience to present your work And that, I think, is important and works well in that particular context. So people like to share their stories, generally, in my belief. People write in order to share their stories. Storytelling is an ancient tradition. And people can love their stories or at least think they're interesting and want to share them with others because that identifies the teller and helps because there is a feeling that people are listening to me, to the universal me, to to one. 
Yes, exactly. And to me, that part of what I'm doing, that sort of basic um, storytelling is more important than the sort of critiquing work that you can do in, you know, for the most part, that's the model for um, college workshops. Whereas I just want to give everybody who wants it the opportunity to uh, present their story and um, you know hear the reaction of other people to it I think that's the most important to me well writers learn listeners or readers care about what the writer expressed and then what you're offering to people who are interested in writing and I'll tell you the truth, Brian, not everybody's interested in writing. Some people would rather play football or <laughs> watch TV or uh, garden. I happen to be a gardener. But writers like to believe that people care about their stories. And so this is a great event that you are doing, not only at the Homeless Center, but what you did at the jail, what you do for our college students. And so let's talk just a skinny minute about the types of writing. So a person can write poetry, prose. Do you accept nonfiction? Yes, I, I, I would like the class to be open to whatever people would like to present. And that's what we did at the jail class. We had guys working on novels. Uh, we had guys working on plays who would bring some of that to the class. Uh, we had rappers, we had singers. And again, it was just an opportunity to give people feedback and an, a sympathetic audience to their work. And, and that, to me, is the most important thing that we do. Well, um, I guess if a person thought what they were writing was funny and they read it, and people laughed, that would be a reinforcement that this is working well. And if it's sad and people cry, um, that's the great beauty of writing, of literature. Uh, frankly, I'm kind of a nonfiction person, but I even cry when I hear or read the news these days. I don't know about you, Brian. So one of the things that happened in the jail class was that we quite often would have guys cry when they told their stories. And what we found was that the other guys in the group were very sympathetic towards them and understood why they cried and also kind of felt that they would have done the same thing in telling some of their stories. Isn't that the truth? Now, I believe that there, amongst people, there is a desire to communicate, to be heard, to have the authority to say something, which is what participation in this class would be. It would be giving a person the authority to say something. And then in the circumstance of all writers, the writer is looking for focus, and that's what you're there for, right? You're the instructor. So you're saying, okay, well, you've just written a dictionary of words, and what, what are you trying to say? Is that your job, or how do you, you, know, how do, you do that? Yes, I mean, I can give the writers some sort of feedback on what they're doing, and I can also make suggestions about what they could do with their work. You know, I can tell them 
places that might be interested in publishing them. I can give them advice on their writing because I've been doing this a long time and I've got quite a lot of knowledge about that world. But I think most of all, I can give them a kind of sympathetic listen and I can kind of understand what they're trying to do and I can give them credit for that. And I think for a lot of people, that's that's the thing that they want the most. They want to be sort of validated in that way. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Brian. Tell us just a few titles of books that you have written that are available everywhere. What what do you write poetry? Do you write prose? Yeah, so my my two most recent books, um, there's a book of poems um, called Kansas Poems, and that's from uh, Meadowlark Press. And then my book about the uh, jail class is called Words is a Powerful Thing, and that's uh, published by the um, University of Kansas Press. Well, I am delighted that you have been on Jaws of Justice this morning. My name's Terry Wilkie. We're lucky this hour. We've been hearing from Brian Daldorf both a few years ago and currently. And if what you were doing working with people who are incarcerated was great, working with people who are sort of incarcerated without bars, the homeless, the the people who are restricted just by the aspects of life. Good on you, Brian. I want to thank you for being on with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity and for your questions. Thank you. All right. Bye. Goodbye. We need each other. We have to have each other for our survival. From the revolutionaries to the conservatives, a black united front is what we're about. The making of the mob, the changing of the God, an angel from the Lord in ceremonial garb. The main culprit at large, the big homie in charge, emerged over the odds, the victorious odds. The talented Mr. Trotter, a midnight marauder. If it's blood, no water, no stopping the top. Shotter, I drop bombs, multiple arms like candelabras on a mission. I'm chasing chicken like a chupacabra. Listen, salute your father, I'm headed back to Wakanda after the drama. Rappers get mad and back to the drama. To kill a lion separated from the pride I rule Zion, I am the most hated one alive A gun was fired, another one expired I represent the unwanted, undesired Wash my hands of it all, then raise one and testify The lyrical man slaughter, I'm guilty but justified I started running the streets when I was nine When I, when I started running around at nine I knew what I was gonna do when I was ten Two for ten, yeah Trust the vibe, Winister, fly sinister, Philly certified finisher, the prime minister, and God's image, the monument, the high minister, the problems, acknowledging how to apply, penance for the transgressions that I've accepted, and acquiescence of my own presence as I inspected my load of weapons, y'all just don't get it, so stream it at your own discretion, every answer question, investment in your own protection, they be like black, well who knew we'd be receiving a new you, that's Paul Zulu and Farrakhan, means Farrakhan. Misinterpret my level of genius and call it cuckoo But the Swahili meaning of freedom is still you woo To the woof woo I deliver the truth to you Who got the nerve to act as if this isn't proof To you that I will mobilize a militia and troop to you No telling what I got in the system to shoot through you If it's too brutal, look the other way like I'm bribing you But surrender all your valuables as if I'm robbing you As I slide the hassle to the side Like a tassel, the facade of the place I reside It's like a castle, I'm the honorable 
Pen say noir, my nom de gar, I'm the czar, or Peking to Paris is my kind of car. I'm the R, I'm the L, I'm the king, all correlated, unadulterated, power the king, been coronated, wake up, no masquerade, remove the makeup, it's no sleep in my eyes, refuse to stay shut, it's gatekeepers responsible for this place, but historically the authorities been morally bankrupt, into the execution of speaking that retribution, I send shots to Lucifer even to catch the future, me and the best producers out again, on route again, airborne audio spores, it's like an allergen, so in conclusion I want to clear the confusion, any rumors the artists you're currently hearing is human, the shapeshifter, weightlifter, I hate Hitler, I'm the great victim behind the bars, stay prison. We hope you enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about, something to talk to your neighbors about, and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests of Jaws of Justice Radio, not of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. You can always listen to us live and find our podcasts on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to help produce the show, you can send an email inquiry or comment to kkfi.org forward slash contact. This is Jeff reminding you our outro music is Higher Ground from the Playing for Change CD. 